Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Ghost Spider Groupies, the podcast dedicated to Gwen Stacy of Earth 65, also known as Spider Gwen and Ghost Spider, where we review her comics, discuss news, and give our opinions about all things Gwen 65. I'm Abigail. And I'm Pax. So, uh, this week's Weekend update has uh, just one item the solicit for Spider Gwen Shadow Clones number three has been released. Um, and we've got another David Nakayama cover of the Rhino Gwen sort of choke holding spider gwen uh it's 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 definitely a look it's definitely uh somehow rhino gwen is scantily clad it's the best way i can put it i think this is her mutation i don't know if she's still wearing clothes or not yeah i mean uh yeah it's it's i i it's it's a it's definitely cheesecakey uh but if that's your thing if big women are your thing you will enjoy that cover um and it looks like uh they're gonna try and uh they've, they've got a solicit um talking about how uh, they they will reveal the person who is behind the shadow clones in that issue so there is somebody behind it it isn't they aren't just coming out of nowhere yeah the solicit exactly it says who created the clones things are not looking good for spider gwen surrounded by three more clones who are ready for one less gwen to be in this world ghost spider is beaten and alone unfortunately that is not all she has to be worried about someone lurks in the shadows as the mastermind behind the clones is revealed i'm excited and I think one thing you forgot to uh, mention on the cover was in the background of the chokehold, you can see the rest of the Sinister Six, well, minus one, just cheering. Oh, yeah, they're really into it. They're really into it. They're having a great time with Gwed being um, in a bad way. Um, but yeah, we're going to find out what's going on. Um, also, interestingly, uh, not necessarily Gwen news, but the writer of Shadow Clones, Emily Kim, is also writing a Silk miniseries after this one. Uh, which is uh, which is very cool because it's nice for Silk to get comics too. Yeah, and she'll be paired up with uh, Spider Gwen Ghost Spider alum Iguara, yes. who has uh, drawn Party People and that eight-page nightmare sequence in Gwenum versus Carnage. Yeah, yeah, no, it's um, yeah, no, because because they're sort of like Spider Sisters, really, uh, having sort of come about at the same time and crossed over so much. So it's um, it's 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 cool to see them both getting comics and uh yeah no i'm uh feeling very optimistic about shadow clones i really i do feel like it. it's it's very promising stuff uh coming from there i'm not not just hyping it up um i do feel this <laughs> but yeah shadow clones uh well we don't have to wait any much more longer we just have to wait another week by the time this episode drops i did not realize it was that close well fun stuff it's uh it's it's happening yeah, Gwen's own rite of passage after getting body swapped with a Wolverine seems like it's tradition to go through a clone saga. This is true. Was she body swapped with a Wolverine? All the way back in the Latour era. Well, Tom Taylor wrote the issue. Oh, okay. Right. When she body swapped a Flora. Right, I remember this. Okay, all right. I see what you're referencing now. So um, even though you in particular didn't want it to happen, but then it happened anyway. Yeah, it did. I mean, yeah. Unless if Emily Kim had a really good pitch or if this was editorials doing and then they just assigned it to Emily Kim. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, um, I think they definitely, and I don't know if we discussed this uh, last episode, but definitely I think they are wanting to create a sort of like sequel that matches the themes of the original Tim Seeley series. They wanted to sort of continue that style. Yeah, they marketed this as a sequel to Gwenverse, so um, that would mean, yeah, Gwenverse is the first installation, Shadow Clones is a sequel, and if they want to uh, pitch a third and final series just to round out what I'm calling the Gwenverse saga, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. So what would this third uh, edition be? Death of the Gwenverse? <laughs> I don't know, they could do a, um, I don't, I'm just trying to think of like a different like archetypes within spider-man comics that they they could copy they could do um love interests you said what if gwen stacy was gwen stacy <laughs> yeah what if gwen stacy is gwen stacy but also mj but also lizanne i don't know um what if gwen stacy was gwen stacy that's the real question yeah well she is the only difference is she wasn't chucked off a bridge yes and she's cool and angsty now very cool and spider powered and spider powered yeah and nowadays if you were to ask someone under the age of 25 about uh gwen stacy they'll say oh spider gwen yeah this is true yeah it's like with gwen stacy 616 like i know that her uh 50th anniversary of her death is coming up but it's like gwen stacy 616 who yeah no um i i think uh it's um yeah yeah no i agree <laughs> what was the original point we're trying to make again something else i think um yeah. yeah um we've we've got uh shadow clones to look forward to and that was what we wanted to point out in today's week grand update and uh yeah no uh, this week we're reading new ghost spider material ish i want to say um what we're actually doing is looking at the uh, current Dan Slott-written Spider-Man series. Uh, we're in the middle of the event End of the Spider-Verse. Um, there's this and two more issues left to go with it. Gwen has been a part of it as a um, like corrupted Shathragoon, which is less than ideal, but certainly uh, has meant that she's had a bit of a spotlight. She has, in fact, killed Peter, technically. She stabs him with the, the totem dagger thing um which has been a part of it and uh, that obviously didn't work out very well for pete and we've been reacting to the consequences of that ever since um yeah yeah today's issue just happens to deal with the fallout yeah i will say this is a very um peter parker i want to say it's a P it's not a spider-man centric issue it's a peter parker centric issue so we don't get a lot of gwen actually in this but hopefully we will see her and the other spider characters return to normal because frankly this is um it, it's it's yeah it's an interesting status quo it's not what you want to be permanent <laughs> um yeah so um we're reading that and uh yeah so uh the, the it's written by dan slot it's got pencils by mark bagley inks by john dell colors by edgar delgado there is a backup story uh, in this particular issue, um, number five. Yeah, it's um, featuring Spider-Man, Peter Parker, and Monica Rambeau. But uh, that creative team is composed of uh, Justin Reynolds, Julian Shaw, and uh, colors by Guru EFX. Yeah, I, d I don't think we plan to... Um, no, we're not covering the backup story yeah. because it's uh, inconsequential to the plot of the main thing that we're covering yeah there's no gwen 
content in that it's it's um but it is nice to see monica rambo getting comics well she's um starring in a mini right now by eve l ewing wow yeah yes uh eve ewing is like very good uh right very nice to see her writing comics again and she has gone back to photon like back from like she was captain marvel and then photon and then like for the longest time spectrum she just reverted back to photon yeah i I mean like there's a lot of monica um discourse about her um monica and i think that um it's been quite awkward really because because for a lot of it she just hasn't had a comic um this is so but when she has her own title like this they can sort of they can really set the standard with what name she's got but uh, we'll see we'll see how well it sticks especially with the marvels coming out eventually because yeah. i feel like uh she's more recognized as spectrum because it's more accurate to what her powers are the electromagnetic spectrum yes this is true so in my head i'm thinking pick a name lady mm-hmm so without getting on too much of a tangent about a completely different superhero, uh, what we're going to do is going to get into our synopsis for this particular issue. We recommend to uh, read it first, obviously, but uh, having a synopsis like this helps us also to get on the same page, even if we have read it. Um, so yeah, we're going we're gonna to read that now, which goes, When Peter 616 was stabbed by the totem dagger, he was removed from reality and the web of life and destiny. However, this did not mean that he was dead. Instead, reality was rewritten so that he was never bitten by a radioactive spider and never got superpowers. Without spider powers, Peter spent more time focusing on his studies, whereas Cindy Moon, still bitten by the spider in this altered timeline, decided not to stay in a bunker for a decade and fought in Peter's stead. When the Parker home was burgled, Peter was home to take the bullet meant for Uncle Ben, leaving him disabled and needing a crutch to walk around. This act of bravery earned him the respect of Flash Thompson, who stopped his bullying of Peter, started protecting him from ableist bullies, and let him into his social circle with Liz Allen, who Pete starts dating. When Sandman tried to take Peter's class hostage, it was Silk who stopped him and saved the day. Peter, traumatized from his close calls with the Sandman and the burglar, was deeply affected by this. Peter reaches out to Cindy and begins aiding her with gadgets and technology that he spends his downtime creating. Peter's inventions earn him a job and scholarship with Norman Osborn and Oscorp. So when Norman 44145 sent a mystery device into the Spider-Verse right before dying in battle against the Shathra Hive, he is the lab technician to receive it. And that's been Spider-Man number five, which is practically, I'm just going to say it out, a glorified what-if issue. Okay. Yeah, no, uh, my, my hot take here is uh, this was really good. This was like a league's better than the past four issues we've got um i thought it was really interesting i really enjoyed the stuff they do with silk in it the art is also really good mark bagley is on form he's like the pages are dense and they have a lot of detail i i like they they put a lot of story into this right i like we've obviously we've synopsized it here but i can't say this enough they put a lot of story into this I was so impressed with this issue after having my expectations so far on the floor. I, I was so taken aback by, by reading this. I was just, I had such a nice time. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. But no, me saying that, uh, that this is a glorified what if wasn't a bad thing, yet I'm just saying, yet like 
this was a completely radical uh, what if. So it seems like with Peter not being Spider-Man, essentially him being taken out of the picture, the entire 616 is just altered. Yes, yeah. So this isn't um, this isn't a different Earth. Presumably, this is just like a temporary altered state, um, which you know, which happens, um, you know, like Heroes Reborn and all that. Um, so yeah, um, no, they, I thought they did a really good job with this. I was, I, I just had to, you know, they, they um, well done to the to the team. Yeah, I felt that like yeah, Dan thought really put his heart into his issue. He even advertised that this was his favorite issue of spider-man that he wrote so far yeah and mark bagley i felt like he was just right at home doing high school peter parker because of ultimate spider-man yeah no he was um and also like i I thought the stuff with silk was um was well done as well i felt like dan slot sort of like going back over his previous work he'd done that there was a lot of panels which were homaging much, much older panels, if that makes sense. And yeah, no, I thought it all came together very, very nicely. I was I was well pleased. Um, yeah. And I really did appreciate that because Cindy was the only one who was bitten in this new timeline, they didn't have to do her whole skeevy pheromones thing attracting her to Peter. Yeah, they they, uh, they didn't do the pheromones thing. Uh, like you said, they, they don't do the weird like um like cheesecakey outfit that she wore um the also the um i i don't know if everybody would like this necessarily because i don't know if this is a fair characterization of j jonah jameson on earth 616 but he is racist like he's racist to silk in a way that he was never to Peter, right? Like, because Pete is, uh, you know, when he, you know, like, P- P- uh, J. Jonah Jameson talks about Peter Parker as, as, a, as a menace, whereas uh, J. Jonah Jameson in, uh, in, in, in this talks about Cindy as, as a foreign menace. Um, yeah, yeah, I was like, damn, Jonah. I was going to say, like, is, does this mean that J. Jonah Jameson 616 is like, a racist does that mean is that, is that because i because this applies to him um so i i don't know um you know the irony is that um main silk jameson is a fan of her yeah which uh which it, it was a little bit odd that they made that decision although i thought it was interesting that they would highlight that um uh he he would he wouldn't be as tolerant um, especially earlier on in his career because she's Korean, so... Yeah, and then Cindy fires back by saying that she was born in Queens. Yes, yeah, there was, there was you know... Um, but yeah, they, they highlight uh, Silk with this issue because where Peter's early spider career was and the villains he fought, it's now Cindy doing all of that because Peter's not around. She felt more compelled to take up that mantle. Yeah, so like since Cindy, yeah, yeah, like I said, she's the sole spider hero of this new timeline, and she's practically um inserted herself into Peter's life. Well, she would be the Peter of this life since uh she acquired his rogues gallery and is going through all of the same stuff. Well, hell, even at the end of the issue, she's the one that that was mentioned to stop the hijacking that happened back in issue one. Yes. And um, yeah, no, I thought it was really interesting. The, the thing that is most interesting is is the fact that Pete gets to actually stop the burglar, even though he doesn't have powers now. 
No, he just uh, wanted to uh, defend May and Ben, and just uh, and yeah, he just happened to take the bullet while jumping in front of them to protect them. Yeah, and people were right on the money when they theorized that um, being shot by the burglar instead of Uncle Ben is what caused his handicap. Yeah, um, I thought they um, did an interesting job as well, like having a sort of disabled Peter Parker. Is interesting and him needing a crutch, um, but yeah, no, I, I, I don't know if I don't know how they would flesh that out exactly, but but I thought that was they tried to attempt that quite earnestly. But at least um, his heroics like earn him Flash's respect. They do, and and you see different sides of Flash. You see, um, you also see Peter with Liz Allen uh, in a more extended way, which which you never really got previously i don't think yeah and in the main timeline flash didn't get better until the college years yeah it took him yeah. a bit longer but there's something about pete's act which i think maybe as you know if i'm speculating here inspires his heroism here and uh during that scene where flash teases peter for like being uh a practically silks fan club president and and just being a fan of her in general, that kind of gave me a little bit of Peter 65 vibes pre-Lizard when he used to idolize Gwen just because she was special. Yeah, I was slightly worried that they were going to just do that again because I like as much as I like like Pete 65 and he he is a compelling character. What I didn't want was them was for it to be like this sort of like almost incel narrative, right? Where if Pete doesn't get to have superpowers and get the girl he always just becomes evil um and you know he finds different ways to work on himself i think in these issues which were nice does this make him a popular kid now in this new timeline yeah i mean um he he is right like he's a nicer guy um he's he's more humble yeah he's no longer the wallflower wait what that's the term given to people who always like just stay in the background like uh, they don't want to hang out with like anyone let let alone the popular kids wallflowers oh right i see yeah no he's yeah he's very socially active and 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 you know you see him sort of maybe have the healthy life and i, I don't know if this is a is if this is something they're going to set up for him right that pete 616 is going to be faced with a decision of you know do you does he come back to his life as spider-man or does he get to sort of like keep this sort of newer happier more like well put together but ultimately non-superpowered life um and i think that's going to be like a um a choice he's going to be faced with um in later issues yeah right now he seems pretty content with being silk's it guy and being personally hired by norman to be a scientist yeah, I guess he just doesn't really know better, you know. He doesn't he doesn't have like at this point, but at some point he will become aware of it, I presume. But if Cindy uh like if she gone through the exact same stuff that Peter did, like as in maybe uh she acquired his social circle and um all of the events that he's been through, does that mean um at some point she's been superiored? Am I overthinking this? Maybe a little. Um, but I think logically, if she was superior, um, I'd, I'd imagine it would be with Carolyn Trainer rather than Otto. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I don't know. Like, there's a lot that they could 
touch on. I don't know if they'll have the space for it here. I mean, I am intrigued, but you know, I, I, I just, I don't, I realistically, I don't know how much time they have. No, no. The um, only hint is that yeah, she does have Peter's rogues gallery. So yeah, that's the only indication that that we have of her taking his life essentially. Yeah. But if she did get uh, his social circle, because you know, um, even in this new timeline, you know, um, logically, MJ still would have been next door to Peter. Yeah. Um. I wonder how that would have gone. Um. But like, also, I don't. They just don't show Mary Jane here, which I thought was odd. No. Or um, Harry Osborne. Well, Flash Thompson is also taking Harry Osborne's place as his best friend. Yeah. They 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 overwrite them both. So I don't know if like. Maybe Mary Jane and Harry were more outcast, and and that's why they sort of linked up in the way they did. Or would they still be with Cindy? And what what would that make of Gwen six one six? Because unless if Cindy and Gwen were together, yeah, I, I'm not I mean, sure. Because main Cindy, she has an ex boyfriend Hector from the hockey team. This is true. So like, would Norman have killed Hector? I don't I don't know if anybody's dead so much as they just they didn't have room to show every character, but but I am intrigued, you know. Like I, I did think about these things, like the decision not to have Gwen six one six or any you know, anybody. But then again, Gwen six one six doesn't show up until the college years, right? Yeah. Um so I don't know like how they would have wanted to play it, but yeah. It's certainly um one of the more I wanna say like unique takes we've had on like an alternate Pete, but it's also it's nice to see Pete kind of not the center of his own story and able to have like arcs and stuff still um i thought that was quite interesting and like compelling yeah this rewritten version of peter as well as so i like to call them respectively because of the nature of the timeline peter 2.0 and silk 2.0 yeah um yeah no they both seem sort of rather well put together and and yeah, no, I'm I'm interested to see what they do with it, but I I think it's going to end up with Pete having to be forced back into being a superhero, despite his life now technically being a lot nicer and and such. And then this also brings about a paradox because if uh, because main Cindy, uh, she's no longer in six one six, she's in the Beta Earth. Um, so if she were to set foot, uh, into six one six in this new timeline and meet uh cindy 2.0 that's essentially causing a paradox right yeah so i I don't know how that works it might be right that we see some of the characters like lose their memories of like pete and jess before them getting totem daggered and that like we see cindy 616 talking about pete as like this tech guy that helps her and not spider-man anymore maybe main cindy yeah main cindy and then the other characters going what are you doing why are you talking about pete like this um and her going wait hold on something's not right yeah because that makes it seem like uh instead of cindy being main cindy being erased completely that um her memories are starting to reconcile with this new timeline yeah i think i think that's sort of the angle they're going for um bottom line is now there's two cindy's Again, I don't think it's different Cindy's. I, I think it will be the same Cindy. I don't think that it will be a different Cindy that is experiencing this, you know? I think we'll uh, find out next issue. But now, um, because Peter has this new life, what does that make of Jessica Drew? Yeah, no, I, I think they're going to acknowledge the degree to which, the, you know, they've been forgotten or they have the ability to come back or whatever um, in this next issue now. Yeah, because Jess's history is that, yeah, she was... Uh, 
you know, inoculated with spider serum because uh, the land that her scientist parents were on, like, was radioactive, right? Uh, something like that. It's it's kind of foggy. Like, Jess fell ill, and uh, her father, the only way to save her was to inoculate her with spider serum. And then she had to be, like, cryogenically preserved for decades or something. It's something like that. I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, now I'm worried about what Jess 2.0 would be like. Yeah, I think maybe we'll see Jess 2.0 being like more time with her kids or something, or, or or like getting to actually do detective work or you know something like that. You know, I feel like um, yeah, maybe like she would still like like still be really tight with Lindsay. Mm-hmm. Well, no, she met Lindsay in therapy. Yeah, maybe I am overthinking this. Yeah, I, I I think we'll see it play out, and and it will it will contradict the reality because it's not changed completely, right? Like it hasn't changed instantly. Um, so it'll be kind of weird as the characters sort of like brains are like rewired, you know. Still, kind of reminds me of the Flash TV show. Whenever time travel gets involved. Oh God! Yeah, well, that that is certainly a show that exists. Um, yeah, um, but yeah, no, I um. I'm looking forward to the next issue. I, I was really impressed with this one. Um, we only get like a glimpse of Gwen at the start when she like supposedly kills Pete. Yeah. One page. That's it. Yeah. So not a huge amount. Yeah. There. Nothing to. Which makes me sad. But, you know, the saying goes when Peter Parker gets involved, things tend to become all about him. Yeah, they do. And, and, you know, in fairness, this is Pete's book. Um, but this is sort of more like sort of what I was hoping for from from this sort of series. And it sort of like, it's nice to have Slot maybe writing a, a slightly more basic version of Spider-Man where he's a lot stronger than this sort of more like convoluted chosen one Spider-Man, um, which isn't as fun, I will say. Uh, what, like, what would you think if I told you that some part of next issue solicit it said we met possibly the most important spider-man last issue i mean yeah i don't know so with that most important character is that peter 2.0 or is that cindy 2.0 i was probably talking about Pete, isn't it i don't know i just uh they don't need to focus on Pete as much as they do i i, I they don't they don't need to be doing this but is what it is i guess but this did feel like, like um, even though yeah, Peter's name is on the book, that this is a very Peter and Cindy central issue. Yeah, definitely. I feel like yeah, that this is also a pretty good episode of What If? Because yeah, we got the Nexus event where the spider missed Peter and it landed on Cindy instead. Yeah, no, I thought that was a really interesting way of doing it. it was that Pete just like needed to step back so that he could, he, you know, get better lighting. <laughs> that was all the difference needed. <laughs> All it takes is just one subtle change, just like with uh, Captain Carter. She decided to stay on the show floor instead of going into the booth. Oh, from the from the what if television from the Disney yeah, Plus thing. Yeah, yeah, just right. that one decision caused her to become Captain Carter. Yeah, yeah, this is true. Yeah, because in the first adventure, she chose to go into the booth instead. This is true. So yeah, it seems like Peter just raising his hand just to shield himself from the light. That through the whole course of history off trajectory. Yeah, it did. And and I and I I'm really intrigued by sort of what they want to do with it. But at least uh, you know history's way of correcting itself is that you know Silk still gets bitten no matter what. 
Yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I'm glad that they centered her in this way. Um, that they took the opportunity to like not just be, you know, everything's the worst without Pete. You know, like yeah. somebody would step in. And she did experience her great power, great responsibility when she told Peter that, um, like she feels she has to do these things because if she doesn't, someone else could get hurt. Yeah, no, I, I enjoyed that. And um, yeah, she also said how um. It's implied that Ezekiel is still in the timeline because she was told that she and her family had to go into the bunker to hide, but she just turned them down. Yeah, no, I, I thought it was quite, um, I thought I thought they're sort of like putting a pin in that, but like, I feel like they would have to come around so that there would be some kind of like Morland related inheritor event, you know? Well, would that yeah. make Cindy both, um, well, in this new timeline's standards anyway, the Chosen One and the Bride? Um... Yeah, I don't know. I would it would be weird. Yeah, her title like uh, is already the bride because she's the totem that represents spiders who are created through chance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so, um. I guess we'll see. I mean, I, or we'll not see rather. I mean, it's possible <laughs> they could just not touch in any of that. But would this new Cindy still be considered as created through chance? Um, I mean, I mean, all, aren't all spider totems created this way? I mean. But according to the inheritor ritual, yeah, the bride represents spiders who are created through luck, chance, or unwantedness. Yeah, I don't know if um, Dan Slot wasn't spitting when he wrote that. I'm I'm sorry to say he wasn't wasn't it. If this is true that she has uh, that she's also the chosen one in this uh, new six one six, uh, she's got two jobs now. Yeah. And now that I'm on this rabbit hole, uh, that means she would have been the other at one point also. Oh, right. Yeah, so there is a possibility that like Cindy is the bride, the chosen one, and the other from the original Spider-Verse event all at the same time. Okay, so that's a third job that she possibly might have had. So that means like uh, she's the whole shebang. She really is. Good for her. We love Cindy. Maybe she didn't have to sell out her marriage. Hmm. Maybe not. No, who would she have been um, been married to anyway? Because I've read the Silk Mini. Well, the one by Emily Kim anyway. Uh, she's trying to get her dating game up. Yeah, I think... Um, I don't know. I mean, she, she would have had a decade more to have a decade more loves, interests, and, and all of that, yeah. you know. She would have had somebody. I don't know. Maybe, or maybe not. Well, other than Hector? Yeah. I think she just would have made less mistakes, you know. Like I can't really see this new version of her falling for Pete. Well, she could have, but it seems like I couldn't see any version of. <laughs> no, no, it seems like uh, that they want to keep their re- relationship strictly professional, just for the best. Yeah, Cindy doesn't really have time for romance anyway. That's why that's a subplot she's dealing with in her solo, se- in her uh, well, well, any of her solo series. She's not really looking for anyone. Yeah. Well, in in her defense, she does have social anxiety. Yeah, she does. Also, she just doesn't have to, you know. She does. She's not obliged to do any of that stuff if she doesn't want to do it, you know. Um, I think if they did, I think they should probably put a bit more um, thought into it than they did when they were with Pete. Um, I'd really rather this stuff come more like organically out of her interacting with 
different characters in her own series rather than this sort of thing that they just decide to do and like force her with some other like yeah. spider hero yeah um, yeah i think this really is going to be the case when her amazon tv show comes out spider society yeah um i think there are ways to like introduce live interests which is like you know compelling and you know nice and interesting and um you know sometimes when they do it they just they decide like a character has to be with somebody and i I don't enjoy that like it really it does have to be better thought out than that you know but yeah you know cindy can be fine without a man you know she doesn't need a man to have value yeah 100 percent. and and i do do, you know i do feel that um yeah that's my um feelings on it i found it interesting to uh point out that yeah peter was somehow able to tap into a silk's spider sense without having his own spider sense he just used his walkie-talkie to reach out to because they established spider sense as something magical they do but pete pete has gotten a way around it which you know i mean part of the course for pete in fairness magic is just science we don't understand yet yeah i mean i don't know about that as much but you know and then asgard they're one in the same I I've I'm I'm I've never been a hundred percent on board. Like I feel like sometimes they just sort of put that in like films and stuff to like appeal to like the like the fundamentalist Christian crowd, which doesn't want to <laughs> hear about like you know they don't like magic or occult things. So they'll they'll throw in a line there about oh yeah it's just it's 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 it, you know like it's not really magic, um and you know but but it but you know like I think it's okay if it is magic, but that Pete has found a way to sort of like yeah. interface with it anyway. Yeah, I think he must have created some sort of yeah scientific. W- I think the best way I could uh, think about it is um he tapped into a specific frequency that only yes. uh, spiders can hear. Yeah, no, that that would make sense. I like that. Um, you know, it's just like if um the dog whistle, humans can't hear it, but the dogs mm. can. Yes, this is true. Or like, if you want to get into science versus magic thing, um. You know when people get their uh, energy drained, that's not magic. It, it's just using the science of energy transfer. Right. Yeah. I suppose is that as well. Yeah. So it seems like um when you watch that scene in WandaVision where um young Agatha is killing her coven by draining their energy, um even though it's um thematically magic, she's just transferring their energy to hers. It's definitely magic though. Yeah. Well, yeah, she's a witch, so yeah, we have to say it's magic. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, Agatha's a whole different office. Um, you have an Agatha agenda, for real. Well, Catherine Hahn did kill it in the role. She has a hold on you. Well, she did promise that in Coven of Chaos, there's going to be more original songs. That's funny. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the songs at least. Yeah, anyway, Agatha's a story for a different podcast. I think we, we have to talk about the Parkers here. Mainly, Uncle Ben's alive. Uncle Ben is very alive, and he's got a healthy relationship, and he gets to see Peter graduate, and it's so nice. And I just, yeah, yeah, we're never getting that again. And it seems like he can hold his own, too. He, he just punched out that burglar. He does as well. Like, he's furious that um, Pete has uh been shot like it's nice to see him defending him like that and i just yeah no it was really good i think um that aspect i kind of got some ben 65 vibes from him definitely like you get to see it like because ben 65 obviously is like an aged like like uncle ben get being able to like get old and like see pete 
get old and like maybe make some more mistakes and um i i, I always enjoy that sort of side of ben um, yeah, because yeah. he's he's so mythologized by pete and he's like so righteous in the way that he goes out that it's nice to see him sort of like live imperfectly on yeah because um yeah ben 2.0 he is not a plot device uh no and i'm assuming um because you know how in the main 616 aunt may is still alive even though she should have been gone like a long time ago um i think uh, would ben still be alive yeah no i like to think so because yeah, yeah it seems like those two well aunt may especially in the 616 um they're like vampires yeah no i think i think it's probably one of the issues is that like if you try and track the aging of these characters it just does not make sense it just it, it doesn't make sense at all even in this new timeline it seems like it continues that um richard and mary parker are non-characters yeah i i don't like um peter's parents being directly referenced very much i just i don't think it really works well when it's done and it's not necessary like he doesn't need a chosen one narrative he can just be another kid who's orphaned and i think that's okay what about his younger sister Teresa, who is like allegedly his sister um that was fine i think Teresa was fine um she was cool we stan yeah but she doesn't really do much i think the last time she was used um like well other than the spencer run during chameleon conspiracy yeah that was all the way back in chip zadarsky's spectacular yeah and um yeah she hasn't been used very much at all i'm not gonna no. lie so in this new timeline uh like would Teresa have found peter through other means perhaps they never met you know perhaps they just you know they never connected because that, that's possible they only connected very recently well, she was raised by S.H.I.E.L.D. for, like, her entire childhood and adulthood. Yeah, so she could just be out of the picture. You know, I don't yeah. think they have time to cover all of it, but I suppose no. it is interesting to think about. Yeah, and again, like I said, like, this could be an episode of What If on Disney+, Plus if they had the rights. Yeah, no, I, I mean, it is a, it's a what-if issue. This is a proper, like, what-if issue, I think. Um you know, and I think it works in that regard. Circling back earlier to when you said that um, Peter 2.0 would have this dilemma of, uh, like, does he want to keep his new life where everything's going good for him? Or does uh, he have to uh, embrace his destiny? I think they're setting that up. And I, I think that's that's a good direction for it to go in. Um, that's just me speculating, though, because obviously it could go in a different direction. Uh, should we talk a little, even though we touched upon him a little yeah, Flash Thompson like so, is a completely different character than in the six one six, just because of what Peter did. Yeah, um, I don't know. Like, he he's just he's just different, like in the sense that like he he does bully Pete, but like upon hearing about what Pete does, he protects Pete from the bullies. And yeah, no, I like to think that it's given him inspiration. But obviously, it's just me speculating from my own reading. Um, it, it doesn't say that out loud. And also his new friendship with Peter, you know, also allows him to improve his grades at school. Yeah, yeah, I, um, yeah, I was, I think, like, they both enrich each other quite a lot. Flash even mentioned that uh, Peter is close to getting him on the honor roll because of his tutoring, and he almost beat him out for valedictorian. Yeah, no, I thought that was nice. It was nice to see both of these characters thrive in ways that I don't think they were ever really allowed in the main book. Yeah, so I feel like because uh, this was, uh, would you say this is Flash's formative years for in terms of um, 
um, bettering his relationship with Peter. I mean, I mean, it's it's he's in high school. It's formative years for everything. Yeah, I felt like uh, him being Peter's best friend may or may not still have him driven to alcoholism, like after the war. Definitely, if he joins the army, I think there is obviously it's a very good chance he could get PTSD, regardless of how good his life before is. And um, but would he still become Agent Venom though? I mean, it's it's all up in the air. I I don't know if you can say even call it either way, you know. Yeah, technically, you know, Cindy would have been the one bonded to the Venom symbiote if everything went her way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. I think it, it, you know, it really it can, you know, and it, and if Cindy gets the symbiote, then it doesn't necessarily end up in the hands of the government at the same time that like Flash would have had it, and yeah. it just doesn't pan yeah. out in the same way. And I feel like because um, I don't think Eddie would have. No, Eddie would still have reason to go after Cindy if uh, she ruined his life. And, well, basically, that's just Eddie not taking responsibility for his own actions. He just found it easier to blame Spider-Man. Yeah, I think one of the things to remember about, like, Eddie and, like, Cindy is that they both work in journalism. So there absolutely would be lots of places for them to butt heads. Yeah, but um, Cindy and Anne Wang, on the other hand, that could be a little bit something... I don't. I think Anne Wang would still be with Eddie Brock, like she was always with him until the divorce. Right, but I mean, in the sense that she was with him regardless of whether or not he had the symbiote. Oh, oh yeah, she was with him before that point. Yeah, yeah, a lot of exciting things to think about in this new timeline. A hundred percent. I, I mean, I'm. I don't think they will explore it in the level of detail that we have discussed it, but it's nice to consider some of this stuff. Yeah. Um. Are there any other points to uh, touch upon? Um. Not many, but uh, I will say that they use a sort of, I feel like, denser amount of panel layouts. Like, I, I get the sense that Slot provided a much longer script, and Mark Bagley's got the, um, like, matches their output. Um, I think it's also helped by the fact that they do have an inker as well, and I do wish creative teams did this more, because they've got John Dell and Mark Bagley drawing it, basically. Um, and by doing that, I think they're able to have a more consistent look and feel um, through the issue because the artist isn't losing as much steam towards the end because they've got less work to do, basically. Yeah, I think uh, Mark Bagley and John Dell have been together creatively since probably the beginning, if not maybe just in the past 10 years. They've always been the go-tos, just like uh, with Ryan Stegman and J.P. Mayer. Yeah, and, and, and honestly, like... I wish we had more of this um, because so often we see them only wanting to hire like the one person on the lines. Um, and so they'll do all of the penciling and all of the inking. Um, and then we see them get five issues in and they're running out of steam and they have to hire a second person anyway. I think a lot of books would benefit from trying to spread the labor across more people. And also that way, more people are being hired more people are working in the comics industry and um, it provides a space for like newer artists to to practice uh, without necessarily being thrown right into the deep end. Yeah, even though a lot of artists, sometimes they ink their own stuff and yet they look good, but there's just a different feel to it uh, when it's pr- finally printed, when they have an inker come along for the ride. 100%. I think it also makes the colors stand out too. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing is it's just, I don't think we can grasp it, right? But it is a huge workload for these people to handle month in, month out. I think it's one thing if somebody's just doing covers. 
are just doing like a mini series. But if somebody is on an ongoing book, the time commitment that they have to make as an artist to draw is huge. Like that's a huge amount of labor. Like obviously I don't want to like downplay what writers are doing and but you can you can write a script very quickly. Like a lot of the, like like that that can be done with a much smaller amount of hours than artwork. Even re- even the shoddiest of comic book artwork requires a huge amount of man hours to do. And a lot of the time it's a very small number of people doing it. Most of the time it is one person doing all of it. And one of my biggest issues reading comic books at the moment is just how much of it it feels rushed and how often they have to sub in a second artist because they just so often they're falling behind with deadlines. Yeah, and that's why I feel like the record of longest running creative team on a series, I don't think they're ever going to beat 111 issues by Bendis and Bagley. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I think that's just a testament. Like, Mark Bagley isn't necessarily the prettiest or like the most creative artist out there, but he's definitely, like, I think artists like him only stick around because they're the ones who can most consistently keep up with this workload. And, and, and I do feel that we miss out a lot on artists because maybe the working practices in, in a lot of these comic book companies need to be like looked at and the amount of pressure that they're putting on artists to meet these deadlines needs to be reconsidered, I think. Yeah, but um, I think we could do a whole other podcast just talking about the uh, comic book artist industry. Oh, 100%. Um, like, yeah, uh, I just, uh, it's, it's, it's something like, because we review a lot of comics and it's something... Um, and over a long period of time, and we watch the quality of different books, of different creatives' work wax and wane. And it's something that's like really stuck out to me is that like the more names that you see on the lines, basically, the better it turns out. And especially like when you allow creatives to to sort of breathe a bit more, that they can produce work that's a lot nicer. Yeah, because I feel like if you need a second artist or like a rotating artist you know that's completely fine because there are instances where if it's just the uh like same artist for let's say 10 plus issues without taking a break unless if you're brian hitch um there's gonna be times where like your art's gonna come across as kooky in some issues yeah, no, I, I, I mean, like, I feel like the Brian Hitch stuff is a good example, right? Because, because that that work in the Venom book is just it's not up to par, and and I and and I have to wonder if it's it's because they've put like this one guy on twenty issues. Because <laughs> Brian Hitch was only supposed to do the first five issues. Yeah, you know, and you know, kudos to him for keeping up with the workload for that long. But honestly, like, you have to question whether or not it's you know you want artists to be working, um, so much basically. And then there are, um, as you put it one time, like suckers who stuck around uh, just to uh, let the whole thing ride. Yeah, I'm one of those suckers. Oh, you mean in the sense that like you read... um... Having to live with Brian Hitch's art for 16 issues in a row. Yes. Yeah, no, I I mean, I can't imagine that is is ideal, you know, for you. I mean, like, not to disparage uh, Brian Hitch. Like, yeah, he does turn out... uh, He does meet the deadlines, but... Yeah. 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 Is what it is. Yeah. Uh is this already uh the end of our review? Yeah, I think we're we're at the end of it. I don't think we've got a lot left here to uh go over. Although we do have a couple of um uh quotes actually. This is the first time we've actually had like really positive stuff coming in. Uh we've got uh from at Carlos underscore Escond 
Uh, thought it was amazing. Especially loved the stuff with Peter and Flash. Uh, hands up emoji. And the second one, um, yeah, I had to translate that from Spanish using the best translator I could find. Like, I had to scour. Oh, right, I see. So uh, this, uh, this person is uh, Huanan Brundle, at Huanan Brundle, again on Twitter, tweeting us, uh, What great episode of the overdone Saturday morning cartoon tone of the previous issues is totally forgiven. The characterization of Flash Thompson, dot, dot, dot. They give a chef's kiss emoji. Yeah. And, and, no, and, not emoji, a gif. Yeah, no, and I, and I just think, like, this is like... Yeah, it's just a, it's like such a big step up, and and it's just sort of out of nowhere, really. And our final comment of the day, yeah, we actually got another email from our friend Dan Connors, and it says, "Hey all, just wanted to say that my four year old daughter has really taken a liking to Gwen sixty five, thanks to both Spidey and Friends, as well as the little golden book Ghost Spider. Thanks for all you do, and can't wait for Spider Verse to close." And for Shadow Clones to start, a smiley face with a halo emoji. And then he sh- puts up a picture of the little golden book. Oh, nice. That's really cool. I'm, I'm glad that... I've also noticed that like Spidey and Amazing Friends has like, gotten a lot of like like really little Spider-Gwen fans out there, which is really nice. Yeah, I think... Um, well, season three is going to air, I think, later this year. Mm. Unless if they're already airing it right now. But anyway, yeah, that's pretty much the preschoolers introduction to spider gwen and definitely the amount of merch they're making for that alone i think all they're missing is just the funko pops of these versions yeah they even got squishmallows of spidey and his amazing friends i know that um mcguire has one i love the squishmallows i i I think they're amazing um squishmallows are like so nice (laughs) yeah but yeah that's pretty much it from our comments yeah, no, thanks everybody. Um, uh, I, I, yeah, I'm not sure what else to. Yeah, we got two more issues to go. Yeah, we do. Um, so exciting times. I think I'm gonna read the uh, solicit for number six because it comes out on the same day as Shadow Clones, but because uh, we have to get our priorities straight, we're gonna be covering Shadow Clones first and then uh, Spider-Man number six because hey. Our show is Ghost Spider Groupies. Gwen's got to come first. Yes, 100%. But yeah, anyway, uh, the solicit for Spider-Man number six says, The end of Spider-Verse continues. We met possibly the most important character of all of the Spider-Verse last issue. Shatra's plan gets even bigger, and the last bit of hope is about to be crushed. Yeah, no, I'm. I think this is... Uh... I'm I'm hoping that it wraps up in a in a way that this that is a little less chosen one-y, maybe. Um but I'm I'm interested to see how this this next bit goes. Right, so uh, do you want to start closing us out? Yeah, so um we'll be reading uh Spider Gwen's uh yeah, like you say, Spider Gwen Shadow Clones number one. Um so it, you may want to just follow like the episode titles like a little bit more closely of the podcast if you're reading along at all. Uh, because there's there's just a couple of series coming out at the moment that we're we're trying to follow. Um I think we will probably wind down our Spider-Man coverage once this arc ends, most likely. Looking at the way things are going. Yeah, it ends at number seven. Yeah, so I, I don't know if it's if it's if we're going to keep up beyond that at this rate yeah. because it doesn't like it's going to be Spider Verse stuff once number seven rolls around, once number eight rolls around. So, um, but and I also wanted to point out um, our next episode for Shadow Clones number one. That's going to be our fiftieth episode. Yeah, which is going to be which is really nice. We've been we've done fifty episodes of this. 
um and uh yeah no it's been it's been really good like would, would 50 be our landmark or would you consider 65 to be our landmark I don't know if 50 is a landmark. I think, I think they're all landmarks. Every time we make a new one, I'm like, wow, we, this is a long podcast. Most podcasts <laughs> no. don't last this long. Like, most people don't have the energy to talk about Spider-Gwen and Spidey comics like we do. Um, so, you know, like we, 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 are, we are here for the long haul. We have been here. This, ha- this, this is what the long haul looks like. And, and I'm very, very glad to have done this with you, Abigail. Yeah, I'm really glad to do this with you too, Pax. Yeah, so um, exciting times ahead. Uh, so please uh, buy and read uh, Spider-Gwen Shadow Clones. Please also specifically pre-order it. Go to your local comic book store and ask them for a pull list um, and for Spider-Gwen Shadow Clones to be on that pull list because uh, Marvel and comic book publishers more broadly rate the success of their comic books by pre-orders because they don't see um, the, 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 the... Obviously, you know, trade paperback... Uh, buys and like spontaneous in-store buys and and like you know, all of that does count in a small way marvel limited reads obviously but only in a small way the big thing the big money maker for marvel is people who they can count on regularly buying the single issue of a comic book which is where it you know costs the most and they make the best margin so that is what they're rating on so if you want spider gwen to keep getting comic books please pre-order spider gwen shadow clones we're begging you Yes, yeah, and support Emily Kim and the team by doing that. Basically, um, the other thing I'd, I'd say is, um, if you if you can't do that at your local comic book store, and and you you know you can't find like a comics retailer online to do that from, um, you can do it through Comicsology, uh, which is the main digital comics retailer. You can pre-order and like you can actually subscribe to a comic series on there, and it will like ping you. The morning it becomes available and you can read it with your over your serial so that's even you can read it like instantly um so uh you know you or do it on both um but yeah basically <laughs> um yeah that's 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 uh that's what we're encouraging folks to do uh because uh yeah uh exciting exciting times ahead um uh if you like the comic if so if you're reading spider-man if you're reading spider-gwen shadow clones and you have thoughts about them uh or you want to you know react to what we've said about these uh issues uh reach out to us on uh twitter at gs groupies if twitter is about uh, still because obviously it's a shaky future at the moment uh ghost spider groupies at gmail.com uh if you'd like to email us uh we also have a coffee page if you'd like to help support uh, some of the podcast subscription costs keeping this thing online yeah yes please all righty uh thank you very much i've been paxed and I've been Abigail. Bye-bye. Bye. Pre-order the book. Yes, please.